Welcome to today's session. Welcome to the Novus Ordo Seclorum, the New World Order, COVID-19 and the Great Reset, the rise of the Fourth Industrial Revolution, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, and Agenda 2050. Today we are going through swiftly a piece put out by CNBC, a tentacle of the Ministry of Truth and the Ministry of Propaganda. The op-ed is called A New World Order is Emerging and the World is Not Ready for It. A New World Order is Emerging and the World is Not Ready for It. Now, for anyone who is new to this program, I suggest you go find the old program, which is in its entirety, on podbean.com. You can download the app, and you just look for the title of this show. And you will find the first show, where there's 146 episodes, where we specifically deal with the New World Order, the Novus Ordo Seclorum, eugenics, population control, weather warfare, geoengineering, mass depopulation programs, eugenics, transhumanism. We also deal with the fourth industrial revolution. And in this show, we will also continue to deal with these subjects incrementally. As you know, there was much controversy pre presented in the first show, and in this show as well, there will be much controversy presented. Because I will not be controlled by anyone. On this show, we will speak the truth, address the truth, propagate the truth, and publish and establish the truth. Ha'emeth. So let us move to this piece. We don't have a lot of time today. A new world order is emerging and the world is not ready for it. The place is Dubai. And the statement is, are we ready for the new world order? The provocative title of the panel that led off the ambitiously named World Government Summit here last week was framed to suggest that a new global order is emerging and the world is not ready for it. There has been a pro proliferation of writing about who will shape the future world order since Russian President Vladimir Putin launched his invasion on Ukraine on February 24th. The most murder Europe has suffered since 1939. So they specifically chose to use the arrangement of words, the most murder that Europe has suffered since 1939. Hmm, murder. Now, Europe has experienced more murder than what it's seen these past few weeks via the COVID agenda. 
the COVID treatments, the pharmaceutical medical interventions that were administered is a form of murder. It's a shame that people cannot understand and catch up to the fact that millions upon millions upon millions are being systematically murdered, culled, eradicated, self-obliterated, volunteering to be exterminated. In Nazi Germany, much of the killing and murder was done through medical means, done by scientists, done by instant doctors, done through the health system. Let us not forget that. And it was Europeans murdering Europeans, no matter what anyone has to say. It was Europeans murdering Europeans. And we'll save the rest of the details for another day. Anyway, the tempting conclusion sh should Ukraine survived as an independent, sovereign, and democratic country. The United States and Europe-backed forces will regain momentum against the previously ascendant Russian-Chinese forces of authoritarianism, oppression, and at least in Putin's case, evil. <laughs> this article. <laughs> yes, they are really, 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 really trying to roast Vladimir Putin. Let's not forget, ladies and gentlemen, this is CNBC, news media outlet and journalistic work out of the West, out of the United States of America Corporation. So in this article, you can clearly see from the first three paragraphs that Putin is being called a murderer, a killer, and one who propagates and is full of evil let me read that part again the tempting conclusion should Ukraine survive as an independent sovereign and democratic country the United States and Europe backed forces will regain momentum against the previously ascendant Russian Chinese forces of authoritarianism oppression and at least in Putin's case evil well, let me wake everybody up. Under the COVID-19 agenda, every nation was authoritarian with their mandates, with their requirements, with their expectations, and with the administration of their shots that could do no wrong. And anyone who was critical of the operation, critical of the agenda, critical of the medical interventions was considered to be a murderer, a killer, a terrorist. How disgusting. But now that we've got hundreds and hundreds of thousands of more 
dead people after the presentation and administration of the medical intervention what say you now dullards and when I say dullards of course I am referring to people such as Mangala oh sorry I meant to say Fauci anyway Mr. Fauci Mr. Borla et al and all the rest make no mistake about it they all know precisely what they are doing and they knew years ahead of time what they would do no the vaccines were not miraculously came up with in a nine month period of time They've been in research and development for over a decade. Patents have been found. Specific genetic syntax has been found patented by Fauci and Moderna. But anyway, we cannot discuss it because this particular platform has intimate connections with these pharmaceutical corporations. So I'll have to save those details and information for an alternative media platform that does not encroach on or prohibit the freedom of speech. The article goes on to say, that sounds like good news, but there is a downside. The Russian invasion of Ukraine and a series of COVID related shutdowns in China do not on the surface appear to have much in common writes Atlantic Council fellow Michael Schumann in The Atlantic, a publication not related to the council. Yet both are accelerating a shift that is taking the world in a dangerous direction, splitting it into two spheres, one centered on Washington, D.C., and the other on Beijing. But let me just accelerate the conclusion. The United States is finished. Es ist fertig. It's done. Mr. Bobblehead, Mr. Father of the Crackhead, Mr. Corrupt Traitor, who did not win any election. He did not get 84 million votes. He is not the most popular, loved president in all of American history. And I don't need to repeat that twice. 
Beijing is going to rise to the top in um, Joe Biden is nothing but a Manchurian candidate. He's nothing but a mind-controlled puppet. His handlers tell him what to do, what to say, what to think, what to wear, where to be, and he still can't follow the instructions, even in a basic format, because his brain is finished. The United States is finished in so many ways, it doesn't make any sense. We are economically, well, I'm not going to say we, the American dream overnight is going to turn into a nightmare. I've already said it a billion times on every show that I launched that the United States is heading towards a economic collapse and it is unavoidable. And it is an incontrovertible fact. The mismanagement fiscally of the finances, the crooked, okay, we won't go there. Let's just say the creature of Jekyll Island, the Federal Reserve and its criminal, criminal actions has accelerated the fiscal death of the United States. And now the United States and the West has gone through all this trouble to cut off Putin and to cancel Putin financially. And now... Russia is getting stronger and America is getting ready to be economically decapitated in front of the entire world. Period. There is no gold in America to back its currency and the world is on its way to abandoning the American currency as the reserve currency and when that takes place, it's lights out for America, period. Anyway, I don't have time today to do the rambling, so I'm gonna continue, just move right through. My conversations in Dubai at the World Government Summit and at the Atlantic Council's Global Energy Forum show little enthusiasm or conviction for this bifurcated vision of the future. The Middle Eastern participants have no interest in abandoning relations, re, relations with China, the leading trading partner for Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, or breaking with Russia, which established itself as a force to be reckoned with when it saved Syrian President Bashar al-Assad through its military interventions in his war. Beyond that, our Mideast partners have lost confidence in America's commitment to global leadership or competence for it following last year's botched Afghanistan withdrawal thanks to Joe Braindead Biden. 
they are also experiencing whiplash from a Trump administration that trashed the nuclear deal with Iran to a Biden administration they feel is pursuing it without sufficiently factoring in Tehran's regional aggression. In all my many travels to the Mideast over the years, I have never heard this level of frustration from Mideast government officials with American policymakers. With that being said, they are watching Ukraine with fascination because a Ukrainian victory with a strong United West behind it would force a rethink about United States commitment and competence and shift the trajectory of declining transatlantic influence and relevance. Conversely, a Putin victory, even at a huge cost to Russians and Ukrainians alike, would accelerate Western decline as an effective global actor. It would accelerate Western decline as an effective global actor. My own answer to the panel question on our preparedness for the new world order was to quote Henry Kissinger, who else, in questioning the premise. No truly global world order has ever existed, Kissinger wrote in his book, World Order. Let us not forget that Henry Kissinger is one of the counselors and advisors and mentors of Herr Klaus Schwab, the chief executive officer of the World Economic Forum. All of my students know exactly what I'm talking about and can easily put together the connections that we're seeing come together so wonderfully and horrifically at the same time, simultaneously. What passes for order in our time was devised in Western Europe nearly four centuries ago at a peace conference in the German region of Westphalia, conducted without the involvement or even the awareness of most other continents or civilizations. Over the following centuries, its influence spread. With that as context, the question is not what the New World Order would be, but rather if the United States and its allies can, through Ukraine, reverse the erosion of the past century's gains as a first step toward establishing the first truly global world order. Former United States National Security Advisor Stephen Hadley tells me the effort was the fourth attempt toward international order in the past century. The first effort after World War I through the Treaty of Versailles and the League of Nations, which now is the United Nations, tragically failed. Instead, the world got European fascism, United States isolationism, a global economic crisis, and millions dead from the Holocaust and World War II. Following World War II, the United States and its partners were dramatically more successful, building what came to be called the liberal international order through the Marshall Plan, and new multilateral institutions like the United Nations, the World Bank, the IMF, which is the International Monetary Fund, NATO, the European Union, and others. The third effort came following the West's Cold War triumph. European democracies emerged or were restored. NATO was enlarged. The European Union expanded. And it seemed for a time that the rules, practices, and institutions developed in the West after World War II 
and during the Cold War period, could absorb and steer and they could steer an expanded international order. China profited from and embraced this order for a time. What has been eroding for some years is United States leaders' commitment to defend, uphold, and advance that expanded international order. What Kissinger called an inexorably expanding cooperative order of states, observing common rules and norms, embracing liberal economic systems, forswearing territorial conquest, respecting national sovereignty, and adopting participatory and democratic systems of government. American foreign policy leadership has rarely been consistent, but it was remarkably so after World War II and through the end of the Cold War. Since then, the inconsistencies have grown, underscored by former President Barack Obama. Yes, the abomination. Sorry, Barack Obama. Leading from behind in former President Donald Trump's America First. Both in their own ways were a retreat from former President Harry Truman and the post-World War II architecture and United States global leadership he established and embraced. In the Middle East, countries like Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates that were once our closest allies now are hedging their bets. Beyond the Iran disagreements, the failure of former President Trump to accept his own electoral defeat raises doubts among our friends about the durability of the American political system and the consistency of United States foreign policy. Beyond that, our Mideast friends resent the Biden administration's characterization of the emerging global contest as one pitting democracy versus authoritarianism. Every democratic attempt in the Arab world has turned ideological or tribal. So I'm not sure it is something we can work out successfully, Anwar Gargash, diplomatic advisor to the UAE president, told the World Government Summit. He sees the issues between democracy and authoritarianism as not binary, but ones of governance and the solution being something in the middle of both. President Joe Biden's decision to release on Thursday an unprecedented 180 million barrels of crude from the United States Strategic Petroleum Reserve was an acknowledgement that America's traditional oil producing partners were not prepared to help him. The decision came hours after OPEC ignored calls from Western politicians to pump oil more quickly and to resist any suggestion they should remove Russia from the organization. Meanwhile, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov visited New Delhi this week to thank India for its refusal to join sanctions against Russia, an approach shared by Brazil, Mexico, Israel, and the United Arab Emirates, said Lavrov. We will be ready to supply India any goods which India wants to buy. To shape the future world order, the United States and Europe first need to reverse the trajectory of Western and democratic decline in Ukraine. The rest will need to follow. And this concludes today's article, ladies and gentlemen. 
Well, going forward, we will discuss these things in further detail. But to keep it as simple as possible, America is no longer the leader of a free world. I'm going to let Klaus Schwab put things into perspective of what we should expect in the very near future. Because Klaus has written extensively about the very near future and what it will look like, especially in the fourth industrial revolution. So let us listen to Klaus as he makes you aware of some of the key pertinent issues of 2022. Your Excellencies, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to participate for the eighth time at this important meeting, even if only in a virtual way. I would like to express my high respect to His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum for having taken the initiative for creating such an important global platform for governments shaping the future. I also want to congratulate Dubai for having organized such a successful World Expo despite all the repercussions of the global pandemic. Last November, in partnership with His Excellency Mohammed Al-Gargawi, we brought together 60 top intellectual thinkers here in Dubai. Thank you to His Excellency for enabling this initiative to define a long-term narrative to make the world more resilient, more inclusive, and more sustainable. With all the current issues on our agenda, we tend to forget that we are in the midst of the fourth industrial revolution, which accelerates global change in much more comprehensive and faster ways than the previous three revolutions. I'm proud that the government of Dubai has been so foresighted in establishing a center for the fourth industrial revolution in cooperation with the World Economic Forum. The objective is to quickly recognize the potential of new technologies as well as develop the necessary ethical and political frameworks around those new technologies to ensure that those technologies are human-centered and society-oriented. The world has to overcome not only the damage done to our economies and our societies by COVID-19, it also has to confront the repercussions of a dangerous clash between major global powers. History is truly at a turning point. We do not yet know the full extent and the systemic and structural changes which will happen. However, we do know 
that global energy systems, food systems and supply chains will be deeply affected. In times of crisis, the role of governments is more important and more relevant than ever. What is also needed is a summit like this one to go beyond crisis management and to look into constructive ways we can build our common future. Our futures are intrinsically connected to one another as profound challenges to mankind such as climate change are globally interconnected and require collaborative responses. In conclusion, and despite all the challenges, we have to uphold our responsibility which we have towards the next generation and which we can only fulfill through collaboration on a national and on a global level. I wish you an impactful and successful meeting.